once upon a time, I happened upon God's phone number. Mm. And then I said to God, God, I will literally give your phone number. I'll tweet it or uh. something extremely public. Yeah. And you said, don't do that. I don't want that to happen. Um, and I said, I will unless you host a podcast with me. And then here we are today. And that is how Why God Why started. That's the story of Why God Why the podcast. You know, I like that you you started with Once Upon a Time. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of my uh, favorite ways that, that people start stories. And a lot of it is simply because you can't fact check it. Meaning Once Upon a Time means in a time that none of us were around, so nobody really knows what happened. That's implied. Yeah. yeah. It's, once upon, it's a time that, that is... That, that you don't know about, but trust me, this is exactly how it unfolded. And also, no one ever says Once Upon a Time for like historical artifacts. People say Once Upon a Time for fantastical things. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. One of my, my other favorite way, possibly my favorite way to start a story is... But it's a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Oh, the Star Wars thing. That's pr I, and it's the coolest way to start a story. You know, I feel like we've talked about Star Wars a, a couple of times. Oh, yeah? It's coming back a lot. Mm -hmm. But it's, It lives very presently in my life. So yeah. I'm not surprised about that. Star Wars is, is a great story in the way that human beings love making stories. Mm -hmm. And it is also exactly hitting all of the notes on why human beings make stories. You got a clear good guy. You got a clear bad guy. There are very black and white versions of what is right and what is wrong. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they it's a, it's a simplified version of what life actually is. And it was really, especially in that first Star Wars movie, by the way, we should just say, if no one has caught on yet, if you haven't caught on yet, if you just read the title of the episode, this episode is about stories and storytelling. Yeah, yeah, why they're important, why they exist. You know, we're gonna cover some ground here. Well, listen, we talk about storytelling on every episode All because the time. it's a big yeah. thing with you. Well, because human beings mostly create stories. I, I'd say that's probably the biggest portion of your day is is creating some kind of story or living some kind of story. You know, part of the reason why stories were the first thing that kind of evolved when, when language started evolving. Mm -hmm. um, it hits all of your emotional needs. So one of the reasons why people create stories is connection. Mm -hmm. You sit around, you, you bond over an experience that you all can relate to. And then the other major one is significance, meaning that you want to feel special or important. Yeah. And then the last one is certainty, meaning like, you want to feel like the world predicts and happens in, in a way that you can determine ahead of time. Okay. That you can predict. I should have just said that. Would things just uh, fall apart if we didn't have stories to tell each other? I mean, what would become of... Because we would still exist physically and go yeah. about our days and doing things. But if we didn't have stories to tell ourselves... I don't think that you could ever not tell stories. Well, here's why. Stories tie... Two facts together. You're building a relationship with something mm -hmm. by, by telling a story about that thing. Mm -hmm. And that is what the purpose of stories is, is you've got a whole bunch of just facts and data and, and, and you know, the, the whole glass is half full thing. Really, technically, all it is is a glass that's filled up to the middle. Right. Now, when you say it's half full, you're tying a story to it. When you're saying it's half empty, you're tying a story to it. Mm -hmm. All right. Because that is tied to you open that package and out comes a Pandora's box of all kinds of different uh, implications. Right. Yeah. That simple thing of looking at the glass, you either look at that glass and you go, oh, my God, I'm so grateful I've got half a glass of water. Mm -hmm. Or you look at that glass and you go, that's never nearly enough. I never get a full glass and what a sad life I have. Yeah. But really, it's just a glass. Filled up to the middle. Yeah. And you attach all of these things and you change the glass into whatever you want it to be. I'm not high enough for this conversation, but I'm still going to go with it because <laughs> yeah. I've got some thoughts. Yeah. Uh, I, th I mean, it seems that we have um, brains that let us attribute meaning mm. to physical processes. That's the biggest thing, yeah. And so that gives us 
I think that's what gives us memories as well, you know? Yeah. Well, look, what you're talking about, I mean, stories are your entire life. Your whole life is a series of you telling yourself stories about things. Mm -hmm. It's also a series of your culture telling you stories about how human beings are supposed to be or what a good person or a bad person is. But what's interesting about that is that that's different in every part of the globe and in every part of the galaxy. Mm -hmm. So if you took, if you just looked at the facts, all the facts would be the same, but they would actually be exact opposites depending on what culture you're looking at. Sure. Yeah. I just read uh, Malcolm Gladwell's most recent book, and there's a part in it where he talks about how smiles don't mean happiness in all cultures. So, right. you know, you go to some isolated cultures and they showed them a picture of somebody who is like, to us, it, Americans or Westerners, I should say, they're like objectively smiling, objectively happy. You know, their eyes, will, eyes are crinkled. It looks like a genuine smile. Yeah. And then they showed them and the the people from certain cultures are like, why are they angry? They, I mean, this looks like they're angry or afraid. They or grin, like they're that. showing the teeth. Yeah, things yeah. like that. Yeah. So it's that's a story. You right. Know, different stories, different cultures. I, I, My main question to you, I, I suppose, would be, why did you give us this thing in our brains that makes us want to tell stories to ourselves? Well, once you reach a certain level of, of consciousness... Um, you know, you, you start attaching meaning to things because it is something that helps you with survival. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if I put you in the bottom of a well and you had no expectation you'd ever get out of this well and you had nothing going on in your life on the outside or, you know, you were just a creature that had no stories, you're just a creature stuck in a place with no resources you'd probably just die. You'd wither away. And that story is something that keeps you fighting. It keeps you wanting to survive the next day. And those stories, you know, they keep you moving because you're going to go through times of, of famine and you're going to go time through times of abundance. And, you know, that story is the thing that keeps you doing the most inherent thing which you need to do, which is just survive. So to was, exist. There, was there, because we've talked about you experimenting, was there a period of time where you were creating humans and you didn't put that in them? And then what, was it just boring? No, I'll say stories were sort of a natural part of evolution that I couldn't help. Oh. The moment that you start tying facts together, you're creating a story, so. That seems to, if I was in your shoes, I would be like, I cannot believe this is, is evolving. Yeah, it, it, that that is one of the most amazing feats of like consciousness and evolution I could ever imagine. Sure, but here's what I'll tell you: what's frustrating about it is that the stories have no rhyme or reason to them. Meaning, the same person can look at the same thing and come up with completely contradictory stories. So at first, I was like, "Oh yeah, what a neat thing that happened!" Mm -hmm. And then when another person came by and said the exact opposite, I was like, "Wait a second." What's happening? I, I, and then that's all I've been watching. Since the beginning of human existence, I've been watching everybody compete with, with you know, telling whether this is a six or a nine, and they're looking at it from opposite sides. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's true to both of them, but they can't right. agree. But people get into, you know, people die over stories. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the first thing I think of is, like, religious wars. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, but But also... Every single death, I will tell you, is a, every single murder or the killing of another person is attributed to a story. It is about this person is not a human being, and so then I don't have to treat them as much or as a story. This person wants to take something from me, even though I've never met them before, and that's a story. Mm -hmm. You know, there is no murder that doesn't happen without having some kind of story that has no basis of fact. It's just about relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Like but I the said, other thing is, is like, you're a storyteller. Yes. There are people that make storytelling a profession, mm -hmm. which is which is admirable. I've always been. And, and by the way, this is a great segue into uh, into the guests that we're having on today. But you say I'm a storyteller. I would consider myself um, good at telling a story in part. Like I, I'm, I'm a pretty good vessel 
for like telling somebody's story. Mm. I'm still working on the uh, like writing something from scratch or something like that. I do write and things like that, but I was never a natural storyteller. By the way, this is a story I tell myself. Oh, that I was never now you're story. getting it. Oh, see, this man. is this is where. See, we're going to go some places in this yeah. episode. Well, here's Great. the problem that I have whenever I have these conversations with people, which is why I resisted doing it for a long time. Okay. Is that every single thing that you say, I could 100% point out, you know, hundreds of circumstances in which you're completely wrong. When you tell me that you're not good at storytelling, I could pull out a Rolodex of all the amazing times that you were great at storytelling. I would love to see this. Right, Rolodex. but I have all of those conversations, and the majority of, of you know arguments we get into on this show mm-hmm. have to do with the fact that human beings want stories to be a certain way. They want the world to work a way in which it never has, and then they get mad that it doesn't. Mm. And I go, it never has. It's literally not one point in time has it ever looked this way. And you go, well, I don't understand why it didn't. I don't know how to help you sometimes. And that's why I get frustrated. You get mad at people for not acknowledging what's right there in front of them. Yes. So More than I do anything, I say, please look at the thing right in front of you. And they go, no, I don't want to. And the thing right in front of you, if you look at it and conceptualize it, that's a story. You're just mad that people are like putting their own stories on top of what's actually you're watching it right now in politics a lot mm-hmm. of things that are very clearly agreed upon facts meaning you know someone confessed to something and there's proof of them and there's video proof of their confession and yet another person goes that's not what i see mm-hmm. and you're watching it with your eyes and your ears and and in fact they say no it's the, it's the exact opposite and and then that's when people get frustrated to with me about why I can't convince people of certain things. I shove so much stuff in front of people's faces that is so blatantly, I want to say goddamn obvious, Mm -hmm. and they refuse to accept it. And that in a lot of ways, because I don't, because you have free will, I can only throw things in your way. You know, that makes me completely helpless. You've talked to me about... I wish you had more powers. It doesn't seem like you're very powerful. Mm-hmm. I'm just everywhere and I've created things and I try to influence stuff. But influencing and listening is a, is a two-way street. You know, I can say something, but the other person has to listen to it. Right. Yeah. And, and that, I've gotten on you about that before, sure. about not making people do different things. But you've, you know, you've said, hey, it's up to them to listen. Yeah. Well, it's also, we talk about this with all aspects of creation, like... You know, when you talk about why can't I just cure certain illnesses, it's like Mm -hmm. they also have a mind of their own and their own agenda. I can step in. Sometimes they listen. Sometimes they don't. You got to bring up that this this is where I start to say, well, why did you give them a mind of their own? Why can't they just be beings that don't have a mind of their own? Well, you know why? Because they were here before you. Oh, so they have a claim? You're just an ecosystem of lots of single-celled organism. You're not even you. That's actually a good point. Like, yeah. I'm a story. You're a story. Oh, you I said I was not high story. enough for this podcast. Yeah, okay. that's magical. I think that's pretty neat. It is pretty neat. It's yeah. actually, it's like, um, you know on Power Rangers, how all the five Power Rangers would get together and form the Megazord? Mm-hmm. We're that, but like trillions of yes. things. Yes, you have. We have so many tiny Power Rangers inside of us. Exactly. You are a Megazord of millions of cells coming together to be Zack. Hmm. And they all work together to be you. And sometimes they don't. Sometimes you got lazy blood cells who are like, I don't feel like taking another lap. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to pass that oxygen around, you know, or I'm not going to digest that. Or, or the, the, the figures in your tummy decide to get upset and they revolt against the food that you ate that your brain wanted. It's a, you know, you're a whole galaxy within your body. Think about that. Yeah. Are you high enough for this yet? That's my favorite pickup line. What? You're a whole galaxy within your body. Wow. Has it worked? No. Oh. But it's my favorite pickup line. Yeah. So, I'd say it might have some success out there. <laughs> well, People, you can try that one. Call us in. Let us know if it worked. It'll work sometimes and it won't. That's the truth. Okay. Let's get to our guest today. Great. We've got a wonderful, fascinating person on today. Yeah. She's a, she's a tough cookie. She's, she's a, tough a sharpshooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, her name is Joanna Bowser. And she is a, a storyteller extraordinaire. Oh, yeah. I, I, like, her whole life is stories. Yeah. Um, she's, a, uh, she's a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. 
Um, she's worked in independent film and uh, just creating contents like brand content. And oh stuff God, like we that. talk about branding. She's. We'll touch on this at the end of the episode, but she's got a movie out now that I really can't wait to see mm. uh, called We Are Gathered Here. Yeah, and uh, I'm. <laughs> I'm really, really excited to see it. I want to see it so bad. <laughs> Joanna Bowser, coming up next. Yeah, but first we got to take a break. Story episode. Talking about stories. We're here. Yeah. We're doing it. Mm-hmm. And we have got Joanna Bowser here. What's up, Joanna? Hello, hello. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for coming on Why God Why. Absolutely. My pleasure. So I know for a fact that you are coming in hot with questions for G over here. Yeah. I am. I have a lot of stories for you. What you oh got? Uh, Wait, let's just get into this. Yeah. Okay. Because I know that you've got some stuff that you need to bring up with God. Well, I know that you guys were talking about uh, Star Wars earlier and like, mm-hmm. you know, other th- other types of stories that are out there. And I think my first big question is like, if you could give us stories to tell, what stories would you want us to tell? Or are you happy with the stories that we're telling in our society now? Yeah. Well, that's a mixed bag of things. Um, I don't have any particular preference of, of what stories I would want you to tell. Because uh, each of the stories serve such unique purposes. Um, you know, I like when you when you tell stories that are uplifting so that you can inspire each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I like stories that get people to think or... You know, what's really interesting to me is when somebody makes a story about something that creates a social progress. You know, when, when you've been hating on a group of people for a really long period of time and then you finally get to see that side of the story. Now, this may be a bizarro reference and you might not think I'd go here, but um, there was that movie and there's lots of them like this, but uh, My Name is Dolomite. Okay, okay, yeah. Yeah. Murphy movie. Well, here's what I'll bring up. My name is Dolomite. Okay. Um, and, and movie and shows like uh, Orange is the New Black and, and, and other movies have done this. Human beings right now are starting to tell stories that have never been told before about groups of people that were there too. They were absolutely living during this time period, but they weren't white and they weren't popular mm-hmm. and were starting to see what they were doing during the 1970s in in the Dolomite movie. Right. And how important is that? Because you start to get other people to look at these other people like they were actually people. And and people start to have empathy for an experience that they never knew existed. Those are my favorites. I think my least favorite stories that I wish people would stop telling is when they make life so black and white and simple that it becomes psychologically dangerous in the mm-hmm. fact that you make people's expectations that the world operates a certain way that it doesn't, mm-hmm. and then they get disappointed, and then they're crushed, and they don't know what to do with all those feelings, especially rom-coms. <laughs> those yeah. are the big ones. Yeah. yeah. Get fooled into thinking that, that life is supposed to unfold a certain way. Yeah. Because it makes sense or something like that. Sure. It's just more, more jazz than that. It's interesting. I I like stories that are that sort that really take the the honest truth of what's happening. So, mm. you know, we were talking earlier about we are gathered here, right? Or just a few minutes ago, and like like the the inciting incident is this person's ex girlfriend comes back in the night before his wedding to somebody else, and we just stay there and see what happens and the messiness of like the experience of these human beings in this petri dish mm. that is the living room that they're in. Yeah. They they don't leave this area. They can't. They can leave. It's not a horror film, but like, and we see sort of how they behave. So I love stories that really reveal the truth of humanity, whether it's mm. good or bad, but also Ugh. show that. Even if it feels like the worst thing that could happen to that character, it's actually like a part of life and almost going, seeing that person deal with it can help you deal with something that you're dealing with in your life. And I know that can happen in a comedy and that can also happen in a drama. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be like one type of film or story or, you know, play or whatever the the mechanism is. Yeah. You're letting things be complex. It's not a clear black and white. And it is what it is. So is that what makes a good story? The complex, not black and white? The 
It depends on who you're talking to because some people want to keep their blinders on and then some people are inspired by authenticity. In the world of authenticity, though, like you you brought up earlier how these underserved groups are starting to get their stories told, whether it's people of color or, you know, LGBTQ plus plus, like yeah. all of that, those groups of people. Do you think that it's important that those stories are told by people in those communities or how do you feel about like sort of maybe just a like straight white person telling that story of a person of color. Like how, what, what is your take on that? Well, the thing is, is you're not going to tell it as well because you're going to miss out on a lot of subtle things. Now there's a good and a bad side of it. I think it's great if you are a person that has the power to tell a story and you want to tell a story about an underprivileged group. I think that's great. Um, you should involve them. Because they've got something to say. These people that haven't right. had their voices heard. That's kind of the whole point. You know, you take a movie that's a very simple movie like Booksmart. That movie was, was created by women and told by women about women. And I will tell you, a, a man couldn't tell that story. No, certainly and, not. Absolutely not. And the reason why is because it is so personal and so detailed and so specific. Right. And it touches on... Things that we haven't seen before because we've had so many men already try to tell us stories about female friendship without ever having done it. One thing that I will say about, uh, which is great about modern storytelling, but it's also like insanely humbling for somebody like me, Mm. is just like how rudimentary my understanding of other cultures is just because I've been brought up the way I've been brought up. I just read Colson Whitehead's new book, Nickel Boys. Yeah. And it's about, um, it's about a group of uh, mostly black uh, kids in the, gosh, what was it? Like 1950s, I suppose it was. And they were at kind of a, a reform school in Florida mm. where all of these, you know, cruel things happened to them. And it was just like the impetus of this book is that he gets, he, he gets looped in uh, to uh, a traffic uh, infraction that he wasn't even a part of and he gets sent to this reform school and then his whole life is you know derailed by that yeah um so it's just the reason it's humbling to me is because it's it's the type of thing that's like right there in front of my face and i never even considered you know it, this is a this is a privileged discussion i'm having mm-hmm. right now yep. yeah I mean, well um, you're i'm bringing... even having tr- as you can tell i'm even having trouble articulating it because i it, you know, it's just so, it's almost embarrassing to me how, yeah. how little I understand. And then it, it opens my eyes in an incredible way, an expansive way. Well, we've talked about the power of stories and, and really how dangerous stories can be and, and how stories are created by the people that are in power. Mm-hmm. With you two who are storytellers as a profession, you have a very serious responsibility because... Yep. You know, stories have been mostly considered just for entertainment for a good portion of history. But you take something like, you know, these coming-of-age stories where there's this geeky, awkward kid who all of a sudden gets to hook up with the hottest girl in school. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not how mating works. I mean, (laughs) I'm not going to say that you can't date people that are attractive, but the problem is, is you've got all these stories that tell these awkward, pale-faced, weird kids who don't need to do much that they can have the hottest girl. And then when they step into the real world, they get rejected because that doesn't exist. And then this and is then where th- incel culture comes it, from. Exactly, right. yes. And it creates anger and resentment because the only thing that creates pain in the world is that you have an expectation mm-hmm. and then that expectation is not met. Mm-hmm. That's it. Right. But that creates almost all of your problems and also stories can be beautiful Mm -hmm. but you have to be careful with them because they are that powerful the two things that pop to me and that anecdote is the first is this whole idea of if you just ask enough times and she keeps saying no and no and no eventually she'll say yes which is like right. horrible yeah <laughs> the whole like 20, 19 no's and a yes yeah exactly yes. <laughs> right yeah james bond is not a good role model <laughs> right but the bigger the bigger thing and this is something that i hold 
like deer is my sort of big why like you talk about personal stories right like you know we're all here for a reason that's a story we're all here to do something that's a story but i personally say okay cool let me tell a story to myself that's powerful that's Mm. that drives me into action and one of those is taking on the content that we as a society ingest because that's a reflection of who we are and it's this like cycle right that sort of feeds itself so if we can start to shift the the content of a culture and of our society the america specifically to start if we can start to shift that whether it's telling more more diverse stories getting more diverse voices out there or really that's a big part like if you see yourself mm-hmm. represented on screen or on stage or on tv you're you're being seen in a different it's way it's very mm-hmm. powerful and i think that that's a very important thing which is why the storytelling conversation is like so important to me because it's like we like especially as creators as storytellers like it's our job as artists to help shape that conversation yeah. and you know what it's more fun too with mm-hmm. the, just variety is more fun mm-hmm. there are so many movies and stuff that have come out within the past couple of years that have <laughs> introduced me to cultures that I just they were just never represented so mm. they were never like put before my eyes sure and so I see them and I'm just like oh what a th- this is another way that people live it's incredible it's been mm-hmm. hidden from me forever yeah. right well I will say this something that you know has been a great uh, bonus with technology that you have now now people are really starting to see themselves more than ever Mm-hmm. And seeing themselves reflected back in other very small, unique groups of people. Well, I have a I have a question for you guys, for both of you. Um, it's in light of the fact that our culture is becoming more um, uh, more niche. Yeah, you know, uh, customized. There's, there's like a place for everybody, yeah. which is wonderful. But w- what are we losing by losing monoculture? Because back, you know, I think back to the, as long as I can remember, and then specifically in like, you know, bands of the 60s and 70s and stuff like that, when everybody knew who, who th- this uh, cultural phenomenon was, um, and they all agreed on the same story. Yeah. Uh, if we lose that, what do we lose for humanity? Well, I'll tell you, when you get rid of the monoculture and... You know, everyone's sort of shaming each other to be on the same page. When everyone gets to have their voices heard, that means everybody gets to have their voices heard. Mm-hmm. You've got Nazis again. Okay. Now, that was a thing that I didn't think was coming back. But here it is because you got people that are like, well, I believe this very radical and, you know, unhelpful belief. And uh, they get to be just as loud as everybody else. Mm-hmm. So that's what you lose. If, when you get to hear everyone's voice loud and clear, you get to hear everyone's voice. And find the voices that you're most like. Right. And then there's also this element, I think, because you can create communities and walled gardens on the yes. online, on the internet, you know, you sort of create these echo chambers that don't get checked, you right. know, from other things. So then we kind of go back to that concept of heroes and villains because we're so... You know, we have these new tribes, these new like groupings of people. Now you're sort of that the story construct is starting to say, okay, well now they're the villain, mm-hmm. and we're the heroes. Yeah, yeah. you get to make and you get a lot more of that. Yeah, like you have a lot more as as opposed to sort of the mass media, um, or you know, the you talked about watching television right when you were a kid, which I think like TV when we were growing up was just the modern day fireplace hmm. and the stories were not being told by our elders. The stories were being told by the television. Now, mm-hmm. whether or not that's good or bad is a different conversation, but, or it's part of this conversation is a different question, but kind of going back to the, the internet and these sort of tribes, like now it's like it's heroes and villains. It's just in a different way. And because yeah. we can find people we're so like-minded with, it's even easier to create that polarization. So Joanna, you were, you had, perked up when I said Star Wars earlier um, and I was I was thinking about this because I love Star Wars and I love Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Star Wars is extremely black and white. It's just like designed that way. It's archetypal. 
Game of Thrones is super muddy. Everybody is kind of a hero and kind of a villain, and mm-hmm. you know you can you you can get convinced by anybody's side of the story. What do you make of those two types of stories? And like, is is one more? What do you respond to? I guess I so the I, the, the distinction between the two is one is sort of a, as the hero's journey is a psychological sort of journey for one person, mm. whereas Game of Thrones is a sociological construct. Mm. Oh, so that's yeah. so, like, you're looking at how does the society interplay? What like I'm fascinated by today's politics. We are living in Game of Thrones, oh, but our, our swords are different than they were on the show. I'm fascinated by what's happening, and terrified, mm-hmm. but fascinated by what's happening in the political landscape for the same reason I loved Game of Thrones in the, first, in the earlier seasons toward the later seasons. Seasons, they did get a little bit more sort of like hero's journey type storytelling. But at first it was very yeah. like it's about the society and how the society plays. Yeah. So I think they're both valuable storytelling constructs. I think they're both very important. Mm-hmm. I tend to I think I tend to write a sociological like when I create stories, I tend yeah. to tell them from that perspective, whether it's six people in a room talking about the night before a wedding, that's still a sociological conversation because it's all of these different factions. Petri dish you were talking Warring about. with each other. Yeah. And um, everyone thinks they're the hero and the other exactly. person's a villain. Yeah. Right. So, so, so to me, they're both very valid. And mm-hmm. I think, and I, and I, but I love, and I think Star Wars is easier to connect with and those heroes journeys because that's been the traditional like the very first stories were those stories. Mm-hmm. So we're sort of discovering the, the sociological, societal storytelling, continuing to develop that voice in a different way. But we've had the hero's journey since the beginning. Since forever, yeah. Like, so it, it seems to me that the societal stories that like the Game of Thrones and like what you tend to create mm-hmm. are more like applicable to what reality actually is so what's the what's the value of having the black and white star wars a new hope good and evil type stories that that we also have a ton of it's just not super what's in the real world what's the value well i mean they're both valuable and they're dangerous as long as you can acknowledge that they're a story and not real mm-hmm. you know I will say we start off telling children's stories. Um, you know, Disney. You got all the animated films that you grow up with. And if you psychologically break them down, they're very sad and they're very dangerous. <laughs> you know, like all you're telling women for the most part is you're a, you're a, you're a female that can't do anything for themselves. Mm-hmm. And the only purpose that you serve is falling in love. That's it. Mm-hmm. That is your biggest aspiration in your whole life. And that's what kids grow up with. And that's how, uh, you know, the female population grows up seeing themselves. And then you've got these men who get to swoop in and be the hero all the time. Mm -hmm. And also, they don't have to do much. They really don't sacrifice anything. You know, like, what did Prince Eric do in The Little Mermaid? Uh, He was there. Ariel fell in love with him. She saved him. He eventually was like, sure, I'll date you. And then he went and swam after her. And that's his whole journey. Well, <laughs> his his journey was the journey of a man who could wear a linen shirt. Like, damn. Yeah, because he contributed nothing else to the world. He flat out was like, oh, I, I, I guess I'm attractive. Why did Ariel fall in love with him? Because he, he was just a guy on a ship. He didn't steer the ship. He wasn't out there, you know, being heroic. Yeah, but he was was like the first human she had seen. Right, so she fell in love with the first the one. First guy. <laughs> I, listen, like, hey, you're wrong. a man. Wait and a second. She's like, You'll do. Wait and a I'll second. I'll sacrifice everything My unique voice, about me. Every yeah. shoe yeah. on the other foot. I, I would probably fall in love with the first mermaid I ever saw. Yeah, and then you had to sacrifice your acting skills, you know. Look, the yeah. siren songs are nothing to be trifled with. Right, but the whole thing with those those stories, sure, they're entertaining. Songs are fun to sing. You know, they're timeless in that way. And, and they talk about human struggle and human sacrifice. But more importantly, they always have a happy ending. And that is the thing that people really need, is that you're going to be okay. So that aspect of it is not terrible because... 
by planting that seed in people's brain when we were talking about sort of being at the bottom of a well, you can be at the bottom of that well knowing, because you saw the little mermaid, eventually you're going to make it out and things are going to be okay. Mm-hmm. So those stories are fine for implanting that idea. All the other ideas that they plant, <laughs> it creates real shit in the world. I, I also, though, I wish that we told more stories, especially to children, that with the, the lesson that, it, that you're going to be okay, but not that it's all going to work out exactly the way you want it to. Oh, sure, yeah. Like, I think that those are, that's an important storytelling distinction that we could bring in. I, I think we have that at the adult level, like in more right. young adult stories and more mature stories, but I feel like children... Having that lesson would be very powerful. Like having that lesson in story and not just in life, like being like learning it, mm-hmm. <laughs> but like seeing it modeled yeah. and sort of how do you deal with that? Like as a, you know, as a child. Right. And then grow, bring, taking that with you, obviously, as an adult, as a lesson. I think that that's something that if I could make a wish for stories, it would be that. Sure. I, I need to, I wanted to ask you something, Joanna. Sure. Um, because I think this is a really important aspect of the overarching theme that we're talking about here. So I think that you, the the kind of work that you do, you are really involved in people's personal stories. Mm-hmm. Um, things that, you know, they tell themselves for however long. Sure. Uh, can you, I don't even quite know how to broach this subject. It just seems really profound. And I want you to tell me about what you found in your travels as to what, us telling ourselves our own stories uh, results in. Sure. Well, it came up earlier. You talk about, you know, changing. If you change a society's stories, right, you can change the society. Mm-hmm. And there's different levels of story. So there's like the, the stories we tell ourselves, the stories in relationship we tell each other, the stories the group might tell, community, society. So there's stories at every level. Mm-hmm. And I think... You know, the same way you change the stories of a society, you can change the society or transform it. If you are able to distinguish the stories that you tell yourself and change those, Mm -hmm. then you can change who, like who you are, the context of your world. Mm -hmm. And to be more specific. So there's a really funny one that I have, like when I was a kid, um, I'm just going to share all the, all the personal stories, but when I was like eight or something, I'm standing on the playground at recess i'm wearing my favorite pair of blue and white striped shorts and we're going in and one of the one of the kids in my class was like didn't you wear their shorts on monday i was like wednesday mm-hmm. you know you're eight like i'm not like keeping track of my outfits yeah. i'm just like what you're i want yeah <laughs> so Goodness. so in that moment like i made this decision that like i will never experience this embarrassment again so mm-hmm. i until i was like 25 kept track of my outfits in a journal so I didn't rewear something within a two-week period. Because wow. I told myself that that made me look like I was poor and, like, it made me look, you know, like, not cool and all of that stuff. Now I don't care. But that was a story that I would show. So that's a little, like, that's kind of a silly one that people are like, Meh. they may kind of listen, hear that and say, well, that's kind of lame. But, like, imagine... You got on the stage and you slid off of, you felt you tripped on stage and then you decided you were not a good performer. Mm-hmm. Change the course of your life. Change yeah. So you can, your or you're bad at public speaking. Like you're, honestly, not, you're not doing that. That anecdote you just told ch- changed your behavior for 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so silly, but it was like, I was like, I don't want to be embarrassed like that again. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's a really funny story. Donald Trump still thinks he's good at business. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That is a story. And millions of people believe that story. What's crazy is he's <laughs> never been. Facts. He has bankrupted almost everything. He's gotten loan after loan that he's lost. He's Yeah. But, he's, a, but, but the, his story. What you're saying is a testament to the power of his mind. It's the power. It's actually it, the power of his brand. It's the power of his brand. Yeah. Yeah. It's power so of that's stories. the brand story thing that we talk. You know, you can have a personal brand story, too. But if you think about the brand story of the even companies that have been around for a long time, like Coca-Cola versus companies that are brand new that are coming in, like they, mm. they these brand new companies or newer companies come out with this like brand story. They have this mythos around we work. Right. I mean, we we could touch we could do a whole yeah, episode sure. on we work, but sure. we work had this 
story of their brand, the story of the founder, the story of the company, the ethos, the mythos, like all of that stuff mm-hmm. built in. So it was like when they were going to do their IPO, it wasn't just like their valuation was not just based on like the facts and figures. Their valuation was based on the idea that the story they told of like the long term revenue potential because of the story. Mm. Facebook, same thing. Um, Instagram, like all of the, a lot of like the tech Pet companies rocks. have really like <laughs> it's beyond the facts. It's, it's yeah, it's like it's this a, is the and the same. Brand. You can do the same thing with a like with a movie. Mm-hmm. If you create a movie, you can create a story around whether how you created it or who the filmmakers are or what the story is. Like there's any you can create a story. Story is so powerful. You can use it. Like the the challenge is a lot of us walk around as victims to story, mm, meaning yeah. we don't realize that we're in stories mm-hmm. or we're being fed stories or we're being you know like we're a victim to our own stories that the really cool thing the magic of it is when you can say i'm the storyteller now i'm going to craft what it is yeah that's where the power comes from oh, okay yeah. so like you know again coca-cola has to sort of completely they had to completely rebrand and recraft the bp british petroleum now bp now right. beyond power or something like they talk about <laughs> we're talking about recrafting a story yeah. I mean, that was something they had to do. Let's toggle over to some audience questions Let's here. do it. All right. This is a fascinating question. I, I must know the answer to this. No kidding. As, as in, I don't know the answer, but I must acquire it from you. Yeah. Uh, where did storytelling start? Uh, Let me ask. Wait a second. Was it you? Did you start it? No. You can say if you did. No, it didn't. It's fine. You don't have to be humble on this podcast. Um, storytelling started a lot from paranoia. A lot of, uh, you know, people when they're first starting to work together, you know what I mean? Back in the days where we were human beings with tribes and, and bonding together and living in caves and okay. traveling around. Yeah. What's that guy up to? He took a long time. Oh, so they're going building. Out they're, into the woods. Yeah. So, so it was all about building the garden walls that you were talking about before. Absolutely. Uh-huh. And, and trust and mistrust and. And trying to determine another person's intentions yeah. based off of their own survival. So you're saying that niche culture and tailored content has existed since cavemen? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. You know, any species that becomes a sort of like multi-celled species, they have stories. Mm-hmm. All of them. So animals, like that, oh, yeah. that was the thing that I was, you know, but for some reason squirrels were what were in my mind. I'm like, do they just like... Squirrels have Do they great get around stories. the nut as they're eating, you know? Yeah, I'm you know, sure. they have their own traditions and things they <laughs> celebrate. You know, they have the cycles where the, every year they start burying things because they're worried. Another paranoia thing. They're worried they're not going to have food for the winter. And squirrels have heroes. Yeah, but it's... Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say is instinct story, but they actually... What is a squirrel hero? What does that mean? Who's well, a squirrel's you know, hero? They, they pass down stories of like... There was this one squirrel named Dynamo who, you know, he he was so strong, he would bury his nuts so deep that when there was a huge frost that came, only his nuts were the ones that survived. And then he went and buried them and he saved the whole village of squirrels. Dynamo. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I want to write a children's book about Dynamo. Yeah, the only one with but warm nuts. But that's a simple story about an amazing, significant squirrel who did something that none of the other squirrels could do, mm-hmm. and he ended up being the hero. Are there any species of animals that don't have stories? Flies don't really have a lot of stories. We talked about flies last uh, yeah. a couple episodes ago, yeah. Well, it's just they're not here for very long. Mm-hmm. I will say that they have stories that are simplified stories about, you know, when they see a window, you know, about freedom and getting out to the outside, and then they smack their head into it, and they go, oh, my God, something must have happened, and... And then, you know, they start crawling on and they start freaking out and they start creating mythos about the world beyond and what's out there. And mm. this is this the edge of the world? You know, they, start they, do, they have spiraling. to do it quickly because there's only 24 hours for them to right. establish a tradition. It doesn't take long to create a story. That's profound. Yeah. Uh, I got another audience question. This might be harder to answer, but I'm going to put it out there. What is the craziest story you've ever heard? The Bible. Because it's so convoluted and, and of a piece and believed? Well, I, what I'm going to say, the craziest story I've heard, uh, specifically in the Bible, is the book of Revelations. Wow. <laughs> okay. What made you think, based off of how things are going, that they're going to end that way? The idea is that the universe has to end in a climax. Yeah, what an epic 
Climax, you, you threw the kitchen sink into that story. I'm just saying... That's 100% Sharknado equivalent storytelling. I'm just saying... Book of Revelations. Why should it be a surprise that we would have to think of, you know, when writing the Bible, every single storytelling pattern in our lives of humanity has ended in some big climax, so why should you be upset or surprised that that one ended in Yeah, but here's weirdness? the thing. Okay, so you got to imagine with this came out... You're a villager during, you know, the A.C. to B.C. time, which was, again, an arbitrary time that they made up later. You, you, you know, you, you make your food. You look around. You get up, say ho- hello to the people in the village. And then somebody comes along and is like, this is how it's all going to end. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go from this, what's happening right now, to this massive extreme circumstances. The guy's like, what? What? Based on what? The sky is going to part and people are going to fly in on horses? And what What are you talking about? And, and then everyone was like, sure, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I 100% see the story of my day ending like that. That's the crazy part. Yeah. But now, and now you know, we're at the point. Yeah, now it's still crazy and people the, still think it's going to happen. Right. Well, we're at the point in 2019 where we're like, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. After everything I've seen now, yeah, I wouldn't we, be surprised. Yeah, sure, I guess so. I probably attribute that to psilocybin. <laughs> <laughs> Those are better stories and, and honestly make more sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What's your craziest story? Yeah. Well, it's funny. I was kind of thinking like the personal stories we tell us and like there's some crazy stories like we tell ourselves. But the craziest story... You just made me think of it. Is the Stone Ape theory? Do you have you heard of this theory? Yes, I have. And I actually sort yes. of am like this kind of makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. But it's the idea that the reason why we started evolving was we came out of the trees and started picking things off the ground, and we were taking magic mushrooms. Not we, but like you know, many iterations yeah, before Lucy yeah. in the evolutionary tra- uh, chain. And I think that's a really like awesomely crazy story. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, it <laughs> happened. I mean, I like I when I read it, I'm like. I mean, this makes sense. Yeah. So <laughs> like it's a logical you're, God, thing. you're corroborating that. <laughs> well, I'm not saying it's the reason why you evolved. That's not. That's not. So there were all. stoned apes, but oh that didn't God. necessarily there impact our brain. There are stoned apes that. today. <laughs> yeah. I also want to write that children's yeah, book. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, animals that do drugs. It's a pop-up book. <laughs> animals do drugs all the time. That's not just koalas for humans. Sure. Kind of the famous one. Yeah. They get messed up. They know what that, that those plants are. They look for them. Yeah, why not? I, I, I mean, I love the stoned ape theory because I think that it, it, it just, it makes a lot of sense yeah. to yeah. me. Well, I'll tell you the biggest reason why you evolved, and it's actually a very simple reason why you evolved so fast, was you started cooking food. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, that's the biggest thing. That in, you know, evolution. I think that uh, the craziest... Evolution meaning evolution. in the survival of the fittest. <laughs> oh, I was like, it's... Things randomly change. Yeah, sure. Darwin, yeah. Not the 1999 movie, Evolution. No. no. Um, I think that... Which the, wasn't bad. The, the crazy... <laughs> Thanks, God. Uh, probably for me, the craziest story that I've ever heard is one that I still don't fully understand, um, which is the story of just how time works. Mm. Um, the the fact that there are maybe I should expand that maybe I should expand it to the story of how physics works where particles are not particles but they're expressions of wave functions mm. they're expressions of possibilities mm-hmm. instead of things that exist in the world instead of physical things they are like spikes on a wave function and that that's everything presumably yeah. I mean we've talked about this I've talked to you about how the fact that energy permeates through everything and takes all kinds of forms and has consciousness. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's all the same thing. And when energy is, is strong enough, it can actually, be, you know, if you think about you think about a sheet of just like a, a, a quilt or something and then energy pockets so much in one point of it that it spikes up so that it's like your finger pointing up through the quilt so it makes a little point. Yeah. And then that is an atom. Yep. And then all of those little points of energy make up what a human body is and stuff like that. And just that, honestly, that is the story. Hey, you got a whole galaxy inside you. Boy, howdy. Mm-hmm. And do I feel like it sometimes. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yeah, best pickup line in the universe. <laughs> so, Joanna, do you have uh, do you have anything else you wanted to pick on God about? No, I mean, I feel like we sort of we danced around. Yeah, all we my did. We covered deep some ground. We've like yeah. gone some places in this conversation. We have covered some ground. Um, uh, and look, I, I was I was really excited and also intimidated in coming into this uh this particular episode of the podcast because it's such an expansive topic that can cover oh, so many yeah. things as we discovered mm-hmm. like yeah. this is geez louise it's like everything is stories uh, you guys thank you so much uh this has been a fascinating enlightening episode joanna thank you so much what what's going on for you nowadays what are you up to right now um well we are gathered here is out on amazon and all the places but i'm for 2020, because it's the end of the year, into 2019, um, I'm working on a new concept around the sort of founder, entrepreneur, uh, like, personality. Mm-hmm. And the I call it the tech bro messiah. <laughs> yeah. um, it's a you know, perfect it's like, encapsulation of that. <laughs> um, sort of looking at that cult of personality in the tech space, kind mm-hmm. of what we're talking about with WeWork and all of that. So that's something that's going to be coming together over 2020, and I'm kind of sinking my teeth into right now. Oh, that they is... tell a lot of stories. <laughs> <laughs> they do. Uh, I, can, that, I can't imagine many more things that are more up my alley, so I'm psyched about that. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. And where can we keep uh, keep up with you, find your things? Sure. I'm on, well, I'm on Instagram at Joanna Bowser. I'm on Twitter at Joanna Bowser. Nice. Um, those are probably the be- the two best places. We are gathered here is we are gathered here dot com. Um, Keeping yeah, it all simple. But Instagram and Twitter, like on Instagram, you'll see a lot of pictures of my dog CJ. She's oh, awesome. She's sweet. <laughs> and then Twitter will just be me making jokes. What more could you want? This <laughs> is dogs and fantastic. Jokes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, everybody, thank you again for tuning into a very special episode of Why God Why. Yeah, and like always, you could you could find us at Why God Podcast on the Twitter and. You know, reach out, go to iTunes, leave a review, all those things we always say. And and welcome to 2020. This hey. is a this is our first uh, episode in the 2020 year. Happy new decade. Yeah, happy new decade. Hope it's off to a good start. I think that 2020 will finally be the future. <laughs> okay. Culture. Artist owned, fan supported.